Jake. How are you? you right? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm pleased to be back in the studio with you. I was going to say the same thing for you. Oh, nice. Now that makes my comment look cheap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I'm very excited to be here because today's interview is with Melissa Russell. And in some ways, she kind of, I guess, kick-started the whole thing. Yes, she did. Yeah. So she wrote an article. She was a really good account of her journey of what she did when mm-hmm. she graduated. Yeah. And she said lots in that article that kind of res- I feel resonated with lots of our graduates. So I thought it'd be really nice if she could tell her story. And that's kind of where this whole podcast thing started So listen back over her story. What are some of the key bits for you? So, I mean, resilience is the main thing, mm. really. She just keeps on going. You know, she really has struggled. She's tried different industries, but she's, she's finally got to, to do the job that she, she really wants to do. Mm. I think she... For me, the highlight is uh, she gives a real honest account, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you can tell some of the, you can tell that the challenges that she has faced are meaningful to her because she tells it in a really honest way. But then when she evaluates or kind of reflects back on those points, she's always moving forward. She's always understanding that and, yeah. and kind of like taking it and moving forward. So yeah. I think it's a really interesting account, and I think we should just, I guess, stop talking and get get stuck in with it. Yeah, great. So this is work in progress you are about to listen to our interview with melissa russell i hope you enjoy hello and welcome to work in progress i'm your host uh, my name's jake and i'm here today with melissa russell thanks for joining us melissa that's all right no worries. how are you today I'm good, thank you. Good, good. I really appreciate you giving us some of your time um, to talk about kind of your graduate story and and your journey. Um, But just if we want to just get started by telling us a little bit about kind of when you graduated, what you studied, um, and then kind of what you're up to now. Sure thing. So I graduated back in July 2017, which feels ages away now. (laughs) I was studying the games art and design course. Mm-hmm. And now I am a junior UI artist at Playdemic, who are based out in Wilmslow, Manchester. Cool. And how long have you been there? So I started last August 2018, so just over a year now. Wow, that's good. So you're really just getting stuck in in with it. Okay, so you studied game games art um, and graduated back in 2017, but then you started your job last summer, right? So talk us through kind of what happened and and your your story and from you know the moment you graduated to kind of getting this job that you you're really loving so graduation wasn't really the best time for me it started off not getting the grade i wanted and unfortunately i was 0.5 percent off a 2-1 with a 2-2 but i got over it and i ended up just getting a retail job i knew after being at uni like i couldn't just live at home my parents I was just too used to my independence um Mm. so I ended up moving out of home uh, with my boyfriend to live in Norwich and then I ended up actually working in John Lewis in the electronics department Mm -hmm. which was a fun job like I enjoyed working with the people and everything but after um working Christmas in retail I just knew I could not do it forever it just it just completely burned me out it affected mm. my health and I was just like no I really I really can't do this for the rest of my life I need to get out as soon as possible yeah so I'd say it was after that when I like seriously started working on my portfolio mm-hmm. 
Because after I graduate, like everyone tends to take a little bit of a break and then they're like, oh yeah, I'll, you know, I'll get around to it. You know, people are going to start messaging me on LinkedIn with jobs and stuff. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, slowly learned that that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> so I started working on my portfolio in my free time more. Started to apply for jobs, um, originally concept artist jobs. Yeah. But as the months went on, I just kept getting rejection, rejection, rejection. Mm. Um, I then started to apply for QA tester jobs. And again, more rejections. I got one interview, went to in-house, thought it went really, really well, and then got that rejection email two weeks later. <laughs> oh, okay. So it was just feeling really, really negative. Um, and again, more and more of my friends were getting jobs. And I was just thinking like, Oh my god! Like, what? What am I doing wrong? Am I ever going to get a job? But what I ended up doing is just having like a really hard look at myself and just like, okay, obviously this isn't working for me. Maybe mm-hmm. I need to try something different. What is it I actually want to achieve? And I was just finding that trying to be like a concept artist, it was just way too competitive. There wasn't really any many job opportunities, especially junior positions coming up. So I decided just to do a bit of a nose around and see what other jobs there were. Mm-hmm. Because I knew at the end of the day, I just wanted to work in video games and I wanted to draw. So I just started sniffing around LinkedIn and places like that. Mm-hmm. And I kept seeing the job title UI artist popping up. Mm-hmm. And I d- I'd done a little bit um, during uni, um, during a group project. I helped do the UI for a game. Mm-hmm. So I just did like a little bit of research into it. Just like, oh, what's the job spec? What kind of skills are they expecting? And I was like, okay, I think I could do this. Like, I enjoyed doing it while I was at uni, so I'm pretty sure I can do this as a job. Mm-hmm. So that's when I kind of went back into my portfolio and started retailoring it. I noticed a lot of jobs were for mobile game studios. So I started making UI designs for mobile games. That's cool. And this is part of your like portfolio or your sort of application process as you're kind of approaching this moment of, I guess, change where you're thinking, okay, these are the things I want out of, of a career. How else can I get them rather than, you know, this, this vision that I've had since graduating? Yeah, yeah. I just, I just got it out of my head that concept art is the only thing I can do. Like I'm, I'm a 2D artist, not a 3D. So I was like, oh, this is the only job I can do. What I'm going to, what is going to happen if I can't get that job? But mm. after just looking around a bit, I was like, oh, actually, no, there is other options I can look at. That's really interesting because I think like listening back, listening to that story, uh, you kind of go, I need to reassess, right? Rather than go like, oh, I'm just going to give up. You kind of like say, okay, the current situation I'm in and the direction I'm heading towards is is maybe not necessarily working. But but what was it about that that you, you kind of just go, okay, I need to approach this in a different way. And then, and what was that different way that you, you kind of approached that situation in? I think it was just a realization of how competitive the industry really is. I mean, we had multiple lectures in uni and guest lectures saying like, concept art is competitive, concept art is competitive, like you're probably going to struggle to get a role, but you just kind of don't really listen to it like, oh yeah, it's, it's fine, I'll do it, they're just saying that to scare us, but the reality actually hit me like, oh, there really isn't that many jobs. And the other problem I found with concept artists as well is they were mainly hiring people on contracts because concept, concept artist is mainly for pre-production, mm-hmm. so when the game comes out, you're not needed. Yeah. So you so you you were really looking for something that like or or 
it, it sounds like you were looking for something you know that that had that stability as well as kind of gave you this yeah. what you wanted you know and 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 I think the good thing about what you were just saying is that you had this moment where you just boiled it right down and when you said that you needed to draw and you wanted to work in the games industry and I think having that process of just being like okay well what exactly is it that I want to do it sounded like it kind of then get pushed you forward and sort of cleared the muddy waters a bit yeah it was just I just had a realization that you know like at the end of the day I really don't care what I end up drawing like I just want to do this and mm. as I said like I just did not want to work retail I I definitely say working like everyone should work retail because it really helped push you forward uh one of my friends was in a, a similar situation where like she graduated uni she moved back home she was kind of fluffing around and then she worked retail and was like I need to get out of this. <laughs> it's, it's just a realization of like the kind of different jobs that are out there. And I was, while I was working at, I was just like, my skills are just not for this. Mm. Like, I know I have these yeah. skills, but I went to uni for it. Like, I really want to do something with it. But I will say, like, I was definitely scared of like this six month myth, which seems to go around graduates. That if you don't get a job within six months, like it's never gonna happen. Okay, that's interesting. So yeah. you had that in your this this you know this idea or this this myth in your in your brain at the time, or was it something that you kind of it was there and then you moved past that? It was definitely there. Like as I was approaching like the six month mark, I was like, oh my god, I need to hurry up. I need to do something. But then after that passed, you know, I still saw like graduate job postings and all that going up. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe this isn't bad. And then now when I've, uh, I've been talking to like my producer and stuff about graduates, they say like, yeah, the six month thing is complete myth. Um, <laughs> the, main, the main thing really is if it is, if you haven't got a job within six months, you just need to make sure that you look like you're actively um, doing your craft. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're actively working on your portfolio, um, you're, you're actively up to date with what's happening in the industry. Yeah, yeah. So so let's talk a little bit about like post, uh, you know, your retail experience um, and you're kind of got that energy to kind of get back into the industry and find a place that you feel at home. What were some of the challenges that you faced in that between then and when you reevaluated and started to look at uh, the broader spectrum of jobs that might fit into your remit? I think through the whole time I was job searching, it was definitely finding that work balance and working on my portfolio. Because as soon as I kind of had that change around, I was like, right, I'm going to work really hard on my portfolio. I'm going to do it every night. I'm going to do this as soon as possible. Mm. But very, very quickly, it was very, very hard to do that and actually keep up with it. Because, you know, I worked, I worked a full-time job eight hours a day. And to come mm. home and try and do more work, it definitely started to become a bit of a chore. And as I as I mentioned previously, you know, while I'm doing this full time job, you know, running the household, trying to do my portfolio work, I also saw my friends getting jobs. The other thing that also happened was, as I said, like I was living off my own wages; it wasn't living with my parents. Yeah. So I started seeing on Facebook like my friends going all these holidays and doing all these wonderful things, and I was like, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, Oh, why have I given up living at home? But then, obviously, there's a side part of like, oh, yeah, it's because, you know, I wanted this freedom. I wanted to do things um, on my own. So I just I just had to kind of, like, remind myself of things to be proud of and what I achieved rather than thinking, like, oh, I haven't got a job. Oh, I haven't got this. You know, I, I graduated uni. I have a full-time job. <laughs> yeah. I I can draw. I'm, I'm doing what I want to, at least in my free time. Like, just trying to find all the positives I could 
And obviously, you know, just taking account that you know, social media just shows the good things. It doesn't show all the stuff behind the scenes. Mm. So I definitely found myself like trying to just get myself off social media a little bit, trying to use it mainly just for contact to people rather than just you know, spend hours scrolling, just like, oh my God, this isn't my life. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a dangerous game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think um, a lot of people we spoke to, they kind of empathize with the same sort of like difficulties, you know, things you, you're not necessarily planned for as you're you're processing through this time of you know change where you're looking for you know somewhere to set set your feet down uh, and then build build up from there when you started applying for jobs was there anything that came up that you found that was a challenge you maybe didn't expect so initially i was applying through jobs through linkedin Mm -hmm. and the biggest challenge i actually found with that is the problem with linkedin is although it lists all the jobs and stuff you literally can only submit um, a CV. And the problem is with that, especially in the games industry, is while people are also hiring you on portfolio, they're also hiring you on, like, your personality. So it was very hard to, like, get myself across in just a CV. Mm, Interesting, yeah. Yeah. So what I actually started to do was I would look for job listings on LinkedIn. Then I would try and find um, the company website and then actually apply through their recruiters, so try and skip the middleman. Oh, nice. Okay, and yeah. how, did, how, did that, how did that go? I found, like, I got a lot more, like, human replies from it. So, like, I, I still got rejections, but they're still like, oh, we looked at your portfolio, we don't think it will suit, blah, 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 rather than just no response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you actually, like, go through, like, the company um, job specs and stuff, they'll just say, like, you know, be active in your industry, maybe have a year experience, if not, be able to demonstrate in your uni work. Mm, so, mm. Yeah. so, so how, that, that, that experience thing, I think that's really interesting about kind of like your process of cutting out that middleman and going straight, straight to it. And I think there's, there's a lot of value there. But then there's also sometimes in, in jobs when you do, do apply for them, there's also this, this experience hurdle that you kind of have to, you know, get it get over how did you approach that i basically just ignored it <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of the, i noticed like a lot of these job specs were very generic very much the same but what you have to realize is the recruiters basically get given a list of skills that they should list but they don't necessarily need them all mm-hmm. i remember when i um talking to my producer again about it and he was just pulling out his desktop and then um, he just found like my application for the job and we were just going through it, just like, okay, what of the skills on the job spec did I actually meet? And I was just like, no, no, there was no <laughs> way to demonstrate this. No. Oh, you met that one. <laughs> so like at the end of the day, like if you think you're good enough for the job, like just go for it. <laughs> okay. You don't need really to, yeah, you don't need to meet every single one. And um, what you have to remember is like, even though someone could be experienced, like they've had a previous job, it doesn't mean they're necessarily good. Okay, that's 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 really really good advice. I think just to kind of while we're on this process of like talking about applications and stuff like that, you've mentioned it a couple of times, and and you went through this phase of kind of getting some rejections. And this is a narrative that we have heard before, where people, you know, they have to kind of brace themselves for this because it, it is something that that some people might have to go through. But then you know you learn from that just as much as you would from like a positive uh, or, or let's say a um, an interview, for example, as you get through that like how did how did you manage that like at that time of you you know going through this process where you're like okay i need to realign recalibrate and you know these these people coming back and saying oh not now you know how how did you get through that 
Yeah, so I think in total I must have had something like 40 or 50 rejections. Cool, <laughs> so, wow. yeah, so I have plenty of experience. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was hard at first. It was like applying to one job. Like, oh, okay, what's going to happen? And then the second and the third and the fourth one came in. And it was the most disheartening part wasn't always the rejection, but it was just of getting absolutely no feedback about what I was doing wrong. So, you know, I always do the thing of trying to message him like, oh, hey, um, what do you think I can do better for next time? But most of the time didn't get reply. So it was really frustrating trying to think, okay, I want to improve, but I have absolutely no idea what to do. Mm. So in the end, I just had to do some like real self-critique, just like, okay, what do I think is the best in my portfolio and what is the worst? Because everyone always says like, your best piece in your portfolio is your worst. So if there is pieces in your portfolio that you don't like, take them out. And I, when I was like reassessing my portfolio to begin with, I did realize, okay, this is actually a bit over the place. I have concept art, I have UI art. So I ended up just trimming a load of it out. I organized it because I was still trying to apply for concept art jobs. I didn't completely throw it out the window, but I just organized my portfolio. So I had concept art section, I had a UI section, but I'd say one of the biggest things that helped was when I just actually made my own website. I just came to this realization one day that, okay, I'm applying for um, visual jobs, right? And mm -hmm. my portfolio then should be visual, mm, you know? Okay. Yeah, mm. like, you know, it needs to be nicely presented. And then a big part of my job is, you know, layout. So if my portfolio is badly laid out or looks generic, then it's probably not going to do very well. So, so it's, kind of, it's kind of like, uh, you know, adjusting, it sounds like you, you kind of have this, realization that you you know you need to adjust your portfolio to represent exactly you know where you might end up like kind of dress for the job you want rather than the job you have sort of thing yeah definitely so as i said because i was applying for more uh, mobile game studios you know if i had anything which was like console ui stuff i was like okay well they're not really going to be interested and i just made sure because i was applying for more ui artist jobs all of my ui work was at the top of my portfolio mm -hmm. but i didn't get rid of the concept art stuff because it does also show my other skills the thing is as much as they are hiring you on raw skill they are also hiring you on your creativity especially mm. with how big outsourcing is these days like you know it's, it's great that you can draw but really they want to hire someone that's creative and that can actually you know make new ideas um okay. so it's, it's, yeah so it's very important to also display that rather yeah. than kind of being a bit of a robot they can just make art mm. And you kind of sounds like you demonstrated that through, you know, by actually applying, uh, applying your um, design of your portfolio in for the, the jobs that you're applying. So it kind of matches up and then also, you know, including all the other stuff that you're proud of as well. Yeah, definitely. I went, when I spoke to recruits at multiple events, they're just like, you need to make your portfolio relevant. You, you could have the most like amazing stylized character ever. But if you're applying for a studio that does realistic sci-fi and they mainly, you know, um, work on spaceships, it's not relevant. <laughs> mm -hmm. They need, they when you're going to work for a studio, you need to be able to work in their style. That's mm -hmm. what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. I, I think one of the, one of the things I really want to ask is, and I kind of maybe return back to is this idea of you kind of reevaluating your goals and like shift, shifting your focus. And I think this is, quite a nice sort of segue into it as we're talking about how you're now starting to design your portfolio for UI UX stuff. What, what was, it, what was kind of like, what was it like at that time? Like this might be a bit of a broad question, but like 
tell us a little bit about that moment where you kind of realized, you know, I need to shift. I need to make these changes because um, sometimes that can be quite scary. Yeah. What, what I realized is as much as I wanted to be a concept artist, I really wanted a job now. You know, I always I always say to people, like, if you want to be a concept artist, that's great. Like, you know, keep working at it, but it will take you time. But <clears> I always get into the position where I was like, no, I really want to change job now. I want to be in the industry now. It's what I really want to do. <clears throat> but I didn't want to just, you know, go into a, a job that I didn't like as such. So I was just I was just trying to look for jobs which may also use my skill set. Mm-hmm. And as I said, but I'd already dipped my feet a little bit into UI, so it wasn't this really scary jump of, oh, I've never done it. It was more, oh, I didn't realize this was an actual job. And I think the, the scariest part was just, you know, concept art was kind of always new job-wise. So when I kind of found these other like types of jobs, I was like, I don't really have any idea how to actually present this. Like, wh- what do I do? I've only been taught how to do this. So I tried to find other portfolio examples online. Mm-hmm. But the only trap with that was I started seeing a lot of like already professionals work, like senior artists and stuff. And I was looking at just like, okay, like, I can't do this. My work isn't that good. (laughs) So I did try to go a little bit of a different direction where I tried to actually find, like, junior artist um, portfolios, which Mm -hmm. will make you feel a lot better because that's the actual (laughs) bar you're trying to get into. But even so, like, what I would do is I look at these junior artist portfolios, but I would scroll way down to their earlier stuff. So I would try to find their work, um, like, before they got a job. Exactly. That's the actual barrier of entry you're going to. You know, you can see all these amazing artists on Art Station, but you have to then realize, oh, they've been in the industry for five plus years. They're doing this as a job for eight hours a day. Like, of course, they are that good. Yeah, yeah, that makes that makes complete sense. So you kind of like go down to, and then it's kind of like, well, that's the area that I'm at right now, uh, and and you can really set yourself with a really realistic sort of bar or comparison. Yeah, and as I was looking through more and more job specs, especially junior roles, a lot of them basically said, like, you know, we want someone to come in and learn. You know, you don't need to be this absolute perfect artist when you go in there. At my current job, you know, like, I'm having to learn, like, game engines and stuff like that. No experience, but they're like, it's okay, you can learn on a job. So, yeah, it's like people have this fear, like, oh, I need to be absolutely perfect when I go in there. They're only going to hire the best. But as much as they hire on your portfolio... Like the reason you have interviews is to also look at your personality and see if you will fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like um, so, so many times I've heard it where people have these absolutely amazing portfolios, but they just can't do interviews. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they don't get the job. Um, I remember my friend recently who got a tester job saying like she was up against someone who already worked for the company, but she got the job because they liked her better. <laughs> Okay, so it's kind of like there's a real nice sort of um, humility to that in, in, in that age-old thing, just be yourself sort of thing. Yeah, and as I was going through all these job specs and things, I just I just realized, like, you just have to go for it. Like, I don't know exactly what I'm doing, but loads of other people don't exactly know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you are up against, like, a lot of other students and other people trying to find their way. So you're up against, like, good competition, but mm. you're also up against competition of your same level and... Especially in the creative industry, there is a lot of, I don't know how to put it, like, there's a lot of people that want to work in games, 
but they have no idea what it actually entails. So they kind of just apply for these jobs and I think you might be selling yourself a bit short there. You sound a bit, you sound like, listen to your story that you, you actually, even though you said that you might not know what you're doing, you, you're still, I think that having that awareness is really key. And also there's a, there's a lot of like through, through your story, a lot of moments where you've kind of gone, okay, well, you know, I need to reassess. How does that look like? I need to research. I need to do this. Maybe I can apply myself here and that. So you're very, you do, you do sound very aware of, of kind of which direction that you might want to try next, which I think is, you know, give yourself credit. Definitely good for that. So you, you got the job which is amazing. Congratulations. But then I guess this kind of faced some, maybe some new challenges, right? And, and I think we want to talk a little bit about your kind of moving because I know you mentioned that you kind of stayed in Norwich uh, when you graduated. Um, wh where's, where was home for you? So originally it was near Dartford, near the Dartford Tunnel. Okay, so now you're working for, for this company and that's up in Manchester, right? Yes. <laughs> So very different place, like you you were in, in Norwich um, trying to make it work and then you found this amazing job, they offered offered it to you. That, that challenge of kind of um, moving, then that comes with a bit of kind of flexibility, right? You, like how important is that and, and and how was it moving? Yeah, you, you definitely need to be ready to move. <laughs> and I, I literally had to accept the fact that if I want a job, I'm probably going to have to move. Like mm. I wanted to stay in the UK, but I was even considering um, wow, so... in Europe. Yeah, really far afield. So, yeah, like the UK gaming industry, like there's little pockets dotted around the country. But even for this job, um, originally it was actually only a six-month contract. Oh, wow, um, okay. Uh, yeah, so I, I remember in my interview, they were just like, are you sure you want to take this? Like, you know, we realized like you live in Norwich. And I was just like, yes. <laughs> I need, like, This is like the first real opportunity I had. Like, I just need to take it. And at the end of the day, I realized like, you know, if, they didn't keep me on after the six month probation. At the end of the day, like I have my parents to fall back onto. It wasn't like I was going to be homeless. Mm -hmm. So as, as much as it was scary, like moving like halfway across the country again, like I knew at the end of the day, I still had like a support network behind me. And I have to mention like one of, the, one of my biggest supporters is my other half. Like he definitely made the, the transition so much easier, like moving with someone. And yeah. like during my darkest times, he was also always there saying like, I know you can do it. Just keep going. Just keep going. Like I'm here for you. She's really important because there was some days which were really, really dark. Like mm, I was just mm, completely mm. giving up on myself. This is never going to happen. But I, I just needed to get it out of my system. Yeah. And like after I got out of my system, I was like, okay, like I can do this. I can keep going. This is what I really want to do. So yeah, like support network was definitely a bigger thing, especially when I was living halfway across the country away from like my parents and that having him there was really good. And just yeah. having like friends that I talked regularly to on Facebook, just knowing I had people there backing me mm -hmm. up was really, really helpful. That sounds like it was really important for this this particular moment, but also like th sounds like having that support network around you is, you know, just just for you to be able to get those kind of um, shadier feelings out, you know, where you you might be feeling a bit low. Uh, it's kind of key throughout throughout your story. Yeah, because I I know it's it is really hard to stay motivated. You know, you're working a job you don't want to. Um, you're you're trying to work on this portfolio, which. You know, you think you, you're going in the right direction, but you have no idea. Um, mm. You have these rejections keep coming your way. And, like, you know, you are going to question yourself at some point saying, like, oh, is this actually for me? Is it mm -hmm. ever going to happen? Oh, all these other people are getting results. Why am I not getting it? 
So you do just need to sometimes have that person just to snap you back into reality a bit, being like, no, look, like you are achieving something. You you are working towards your goal. Um, but you know, it will take time. It like it isn't gonna mm-hmm. just happen overnight and that's completely okay. Mm-hmm. There, there is no rush to do it. Like, well, I was only what twenty one, twenty two. I was applying for jobs. Like, still young. Yeah. <laughs> still, still plenty of time to do things. So, mm-hmm. we we definitely can be a bit of this mad rush. It's like I need to get into this as soon as possible, or it's not going to happen. But it's it's okay. Like, take mm-hmm. your time. So that's when I start changing my schedule as well. Of like, you know, I always do working on my portfolio like three times a week for a couple of hours. If I felt like it, I did a little yeah. bit. If I was feeling off that day, it was okay. I didn't, I didn't end up having a schedule of like, you need to do this. You know, if I was feeling tired, or I was feeling ill, it's okay. You can have a day off. Nice. So kind of ease off that pressure on yourself. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, that's, 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 that's really good. And I think that your story is uh, like really inspiring. And I think it really does capture lots of like what, what people go through, you know, po- post-university and there's there's a undercurrent of resilience all the way through um kind of what you're saying and i think yeah you should really celebrate kind of being where you're at and and i wish you kind of all the best for the future thank you <laughs> um but yeah before we kind of wrap up i just got two two more questions that i've been asking uh, everybody um the first thing is if anybody wants to kind of reach out and and contact you or look at some of your art or uh, all the things you're doing what's the best where's the best place for them to go um, so I use a universal handle across everything on the internet. So basically, if you search the name Melcidian, M-E-L-S-I-D-I-A-N, you will find me on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. I also have my website, my portfolio website, which is melcidianart.com, which also has all my links, um, cool. including my email on there as well. Awesome. We'll put all that in the um, episode description so people know where to go and then the last question and this is a bit of a curveball if you if you had the chance to thank anybody for helping you to get to where you are now who would it be i think i would have to definitely say again my other half just because he's been my absolute rock like mm. he's always he's always been there saying like you're the one like you can do it you can do it even just being a person just to give me a little bit of critiques on my portfolio like yeah he's not industry professional but he can still say oh i think that's your better work you do have to be a little bit careful like with family and friends because sometimes they're like oh yeah your work is really good da, da, da. <laughs> um, so you, you do have to try and find those people which do give you like value critique um and obviously he moved halfway across the country again with me for this job <laughs> which i appreciate not many people would do that's amazing um, he sounds yeah. very committed yeah, so he's been with me for like every step, always pushing me to keep going. He's always believed in me, which has been really important. So yeah, I have awesome. to give him lots of props for it, putting up with me crying. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really lovely, and I'm and I'm sure he's really proud of where you are now as well. So um, just a massive thank you, uh, Melissa, for giving us some of your time and, and letting us share your story. Um, and yeah, um, wish you all the best. Thank you very much. Really happy to do this. All right. And thank you to those uh, at home for listening. Uh, We'll be back with some more interviews very soon.